read the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a little bit of scripture this morning, or a little bit more than normal, because we're going to have 18 verses coming at us, and they're all very important in how they interact with one another. So Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, starting of verse 1. You can read it on the screen, you can listen, close your eyes, whatever it is you want to do, join with us in this time of scripture reading. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving might be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have already received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive the other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive the sins of others, your father will not forgive your sins. And lastly, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. We are in the second week of our series called The Difference That We Make. This is our annual time where we look together at what it means to be stewards of God's gifts as a church and as individuals. Last week, we looked at all the different ways in which we're doing things as a church. We just saw like this line of this ministry parade came in. If you weren't with us, there were like all the signs that are posted out in McGowan Hall. There were like 40 kids and youth that were lining the front stage, all holding these signs about the over hundreds, um, the over 100 ministries that we do as a church. I said last week that this is going to be a series of celebration and challenge. Last week, we celebrated all that we're doing. We're going to do some more of that celebrating today, but we're also going to, to challenge ourselves. What does it mean to step out in faith in different ways? And one of the ways that we challenged ourselves as a leadership group for the church, and this is really cool, um, we had a leadership banquet for everybody who serves on one of our committees, like trustees, um, finance, stewardship, um, both of our vision teams, as well as our SPRC, we all came together for dinner. And something that's really cool is we asked people, we said, if you're going to be a leader of the church, we ask that you faithfully give to the church because we want to make sure that when we tell the church that we are a church that believes in giving, our leaders are setting that example. 
And 98% of the people, only one family has yet to turn in their pledges, pledged to be able to give to this church. And I think that's a testament that says, we are a church that believes in the future of Dauphin Way and our leadership is showing that and I'm just thankful for that. So as we challenged them and as we challenged ourselves, we're gonna look at other ways throughout these next three weeks that we can celebrate and we can challenge. This morning, I would like for us to talk specifically about what it means for us to be a church that is forming each other and that we are being formed in. I think it's great that we celebrate all the ministries that we're doing for others. And we saw in this video here the ways in which our ministries are impacting others around the world and within our own community. And that, you know, I filmed these videos. I'm not the best editor yet, and it kind of washes on the screen. But one of the things I hope that you saw um, was that you might not know this. Not everybody in that video goes to our church. There's a lot of people who receive ministries because of our generosity, because of God's work through our church that might not go to be members here but are receiving the grace of God in their lives because of you all, because of all of us. And that last section about, uh, that, that last interview about the long goodbye was so touching filming that. And that gentleman does not go to our church and he was just so thankful um, that we are providing this space for him to have a community that can pour into him, that he can receive encouragement from as he struggles through this past 11 years of his life in a very difficult circumstance. And so that is part of the testament about the difference that we make in the community and in others' lives. But this morning in particular, I'd like for us to think about what does the church and what is Dauphin Way, what is the difference it makes in your life and in my life? So will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we thank you um, that you are with us now. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. I really wanted to offer something else in that prayer, um, but Brianna told me I might, you know, probably shouldn't do that. I was going to pray that, Lord, please don't let the Braves get swept tonight the first time in playoffs. <laughs> so I did pray that prayer silently a couple times today. You're welcome to join me in that prayer. Um, many of you have heard me talk about my grandfather before, about the influence that he's had on my life, about who he was for me and helping me get into the ministry and, and how grateful I was um, you know, to be in relationship with him for as long as we were while he was with us. Um, but one of the ways in which my family says I'm a lot like him is that he was really goofy and made lots of jokes and was just always bringing humor to situations. So they, they say I get my, my goofiness from my grandfather. They hadn't told me from whom I get my devilish good looks, but they did tell me I get my goofiness from my grandfather, and, um, and he was always trying to make people just feel welcome and loved, and anytime somebody would come into his store, when he was a, a school teacher, he just always had a smile. He was just a very, very kind person. Um, but there was one Christmas, this is the first Christmas we ever spent not having Christmas Day in Dothan. We went to my cousin and my great aunt, great uncle's house in Navarre, and as a family, we did uh, um, the Dirty Santa game. Do y'all ever do Dirty Santa? Has anybody done Dirty Santa? It's, if you don't know, it's like everybody brings one gift and then you get to get a gift and then you, you can steal gifts from other people and such. But as a 10-year-old, um, most of the gifts that were gonna be brought to a Dirty Santa game did not appeal to me. And so my parents made sure to rig the game so that Jillian and I got presents we liked by making sure the presents were wrapped in you know, wrapping paper that would appeal to us and no one else. So no one else was picking the Ninja Turtle wrapped present, but I could not wait to open it because I was like, I bet that one's gonna be something I like. I mean, who could, what 10-year-old can resist Donatello and Leonardo wrapped? And so when it was my turn, I went right after my grandfather and he had opened a present and he had gotten like 
a travel tool set, some tools that you can keep in your car, just miniature tool set that you can, you know, take with you wherever you go. And then it was my turn, and I was like, all right, I think I'll take the Ninja Turtle present. And I open it up. I'm so excited. It's Christmas. Who doesn't like opening presents on Christmas? And so I open this present, and I'm immediately disappointed. Because in it, when I unwrapped it, it was a a Ziploc bag full of what the, the sheet said was snowman poop. But it was actually packing peanuts. And as a 10-year-old, I'm looking at these S-shaped packing peanuts thinking, first off, that's not real snowman poop. I mean, not that I know from experience. I can just assume those are not real snow. They would have melted. But also, I'm disappointed that, that my present was so terrible. I, I'm looking around thinking this is a joke. Surely there's something coming out. But they, no, nothing else happened. They said, all right, who's next? And I'm just like, no, uh-uh, Pause. Pause the game. Something's not right. And I start throwing this tantrum, like a 10-year-old tantrum like that you just can't imagine. I'm just like crying. Like, this is not fair. You didn't get me what I wanted. There should have been like a Nintendo 64 game in there. I mean, you, you, I was just like throwing a tantrum. And so my grandfather, as gracious as he is, he said, fine, Woods, if you want, um, I will give you my gift if you want to give me your gift. And I'm like, done, deal. Snowman peanuts, uh, snowman poop, here you go. Here's a pack of peanuts. And he's like, are you sure? Like, because you're going to give me your gift, you're going to give it to me, and I'm going to give you my gift. Are you sure that's what you want to do? I'm like, I couldn't get rid of them fast enough. I said, yes, because you don't have a car, and you don't really use tools much. Are you sure this is what you want? I'm like, yes, here, here. I'm giving you my, my packing peanuts, my snowman poop. You give me your tools. And, and we changed them out, we exchanged them. And then he, um, he's like, oh, I wonder what snowman poop smells like. And I was like, it's not real snowman poop, so it doesn't matter. And he proceeds to open up the bag, and he pours it out. And in the middle of those packing peanuts was a $50 bill. And as a 10-year-old, $50 is like a million dollars. Actually, it's like a 29-year-old, $50 is still pretty awesome. But I'm thinking, I could go to Dollar Tree 50 times. And immediately, so I'm like, oh, wait, wait, I want my gift back. I want it back. Can I have it back? Can I please have it back? And he's like, no, 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 that's, that you gave it to me. I was like, no, 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 we'll tra- you can have yours back. You need the tools, you gotta fix things, I promise, it's okay. And he said, uh, no, that's not how a gift works. When you give something away, it's the other person's. Wow. You, you've given it. And um, you better believe I threw another 10-year-old tantrum. <laughs> like, that's not fair. I was like, can you at least give me the $50 and you can keep the snowman poop? <laughs> I learned some valuable lessons about gifts that day. Lessons that kind of stuck with me, um, necessarily that I learned at that moment. But as I reflect upon that experience in light of being an adult-ish, I know, no, um, gift giving doesn't have the same um, stipulations that we might have thought when we were kids. And every time I think about the grace of God, I think about that story. Because there's something that I hope all of us know. And that is that the grace of God is free to you with no stipulations. Like God gives us grace and I cannot prevent you or prevent God from giving grace. No one can. God's love is for all people. And here's the thing, this is the crazy thing about it. When God gives that to us, he gives it to us. And we can't, you know, no one can tell me or tell you that you have to do something different with that. No one can tell God they can't give it to who God wants to give it to. And the craziest thing about it is like, if, if I were God, I'd be like, well, I'm gonna give you forgiveness, love, but, but you gotta love me in return or, or you gotta go to church, you gotta do all these things. 
God never, never does that. God never says, here are the conditions of grace. God says, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on in your life, this gift is yours and, and you can do with it what you will. The sad thing is that many of us oftentimes receive that gift and we just think it's worthless, like a bag of snowman poop. We just think it's, uh, we, we treat it as if it's just anything else, right? A lack of gratitude. Oftentimes I have a lack of gratitude towards the love God gives me. Um, if there's things God is calling me into that God wants me to be a part of because God is in a relationship with us, I think, well, you've, you've already given me the forgiveness, so I'll just do whatever I want and, and I've got the forgiveness, so I'm good. Bonhoeffer calls that cheap grace. You've probably heard that term before. Where we, we just, we know God is good and so we're thankful for that and then we just do whatever we want anyway with little thought about the repercussions or how we just kind of sometimes stomp all over the love of God. It's crazy that um, God loves us so much and sometimes we return so little of that love to God. As we turn back to our text this morning, as we look back at Matthew, um, this text reminds me of one of the episodes from The Office. I don't know if you ever watched The Office, but there's this scene where Michael's being interviewed at the end and he says this, when I retire, I don't wanna just disappear to an island somewhere. I wanna be the guy who gives everything back. And I want it to be like, hey, who donated that hospital wing that's saving so many lives? Um, well, uh, I don't know. It was anonymous. Well, guess what? It was Michael Scott. But it was anonymous. How do you know? Because I'm him. <laughs> he uh, he kind of personifies this whole idea that Jesus is describing about the, the hypocrites. In this text, Jesus is, is trying to describe the ways in which religious people act that is very non-appropriate. It is the, the traditions or things that they have begun doing so that everybody knows their religiousness. And Jesus is like, hey, just don't be like that guy. Don't do, don't do those things. And, and as he goes through these, he spends you know, a number of verses. This is a pretty lengthy text that Jesus is, is very intentional. With three different sections, he's basically saying the same thing. Don't be like the hypocrites who do this. Don't be like the hypocrites that do this. There's three sections. In the first four verses, he talks about um, the ways you should and should not give. It says give alms or give to the needy, particularly it's in the same way we think about the ways in which we give gifts, like we were just talking about. He spends verses five through 15 saying, this is how you should and should not pray. And finally, he wraps everything up by distinguishing the hypocrites who fast by telling everybody they're fasting and the ways in which we are supposed to. And I would like for us to reflect this morning on all three of those realities in relation to who we are as Christians, in relation to who we are as church people who go to Dauphin Way United Methodist. So when we look at this first section of almsgiving, he's saying do not do this in such a way that your objective is to bring glory or notoriety to yourself. He's not saying don't give. He's saying when you give, don't do it so that everybody sees you. And he says don't do it with like trumpets and fanfare. And he's not necessarily saying like, there are people walking around blowing trumpets before they give, like, burr, burr, burr. hey, everybody, about to give a gift. But really, the horn was this area in which in the temple that people would take their gold coins. So they didn't have pay for money. They weren't able, you know, to, they had these coins and they would go to the temple and they would like drop them in there very, very loudly so that people could see and know that somebody's giving. They would look up and see how much money they're pouring in there. 
I thought about it this morning, um, but then I thought about it and forgot about it and we had other things. So I was gonna bring, but just imagine, you know the, uh, the metal plates that get passed in our traditional services when you pass the plate? Like we pass these baskets, so they're very soft and very quiet. But you know, these loud chains, it'd be as if like I had brought $100 in pennies. And as you're passing the plate, this loud metal plate, I would just to take the pennies and be like, boom, and create all this noise saying, hey, everybody, look, I'm giving a bunch of money right now. That's what he's saying, don't do. Don't, don't draw attention to yourself. Not only don't tell people that you're giving, but don't do things that are bringing notoriety for yourself. Because if you do that, if that's how you give, if that's, if that's your mindset and philosophy, then you've already received your reward. That is your reward. People will know that you're a gift. But there's so much more that God wants for us than just the praise of other humans, than just the support or the surprise or the envy of our peers. Literally, he says, when you do this, when you give, don't even let your left hand know what your right is doing. Now, that's kind of impossible because, but you understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus speaks in metaphors a lot. He uses lots of uh, metaphor. All religion is kind of a metaphorical language when we talk about this God who is so much bigger than we are. And Jesus, all the time, is using metaphors to describe this religious reality. There's something bigger than just giving. It's not just the act. It's what happens to us as the giver when we give. He goes on to say, and when you pray, don't be the Ron Burgundy of prayers. Don't be like, hey, everybody, come listen how good of a prayer I am. Listen to my, my number of words I have. My word count is huge, and my, my, my intelligence is so high, and I've just got all these understandings and great ways of praying. And he says this. He says, when you pray, actually go into a quiet place. When you pray, your father who is in secret, who sees in secret, will know that you are praying. The object of your prayer is not your peers, it is God. I can't, one of my pet peeves, and this is just you know, a moment of, one of my pet peeves is when a preacher or a person praying is like preaching as opposed to praying. Have you ever been, somebody does that? Where they're basically like, like they're talking to you instead of God? And a prayer lasts like five, six, seven, ten minutes. And it just goes on and on. It's like the second part to the sermon. Like the sermon's wrapped up, but he's still going on or she's still going on about, and you need to keep doing this because this is what God wants, right, God? Or, or whatever it might be. And I'm like, that's, that's not praying. That's discussing things with each other. I mean, like praying, the object of our prayer is, I'm sorry, I love you all very much, but when I pray, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God. Oftentimes I'm praying on all of our behalf when I do a corporate pray, a prayer for all of us. When we recite the Lord's Prayer, we're all praying together, but we're all praying to God. Our goal is not so that everybody knows how eloquent we are, but so that God knows that we are here to worship, that we care, that we love, that we know that there are those in need. And he says, when you fast, and this is truly the hardest one for me, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites who tell everybody they're fasting. Like every Monday, I start a new diet. And... On Monday, I'm like, hey, I had kale for lunch today, everybody. Just want you to know. Hey, everybody had a kale salad, losing all sorts of weight, looking good. And Brianna, bless her heart, thank God for her, she keeps me humble. She's like, yeah, but he had Oreos for dinner. So (laughs) I'm like the worst about like announcing when I do something good in relation to like physical health things. Now, fasting has spiritual realities that are beyond just, it's not just about losing weight. When We'll talk about this again at Lent. But, but, but giving up snacks and sodas for Lent so that you can get ready for swimsuit season is not what Lent was necessarily created for. 
But goodness, if I don't, every time I'm, I'm like giving up something or fasting or whatever, and somebody's like, oh, you're a little tired. I'm fasting. I mean, I'm, I wasn't supposed to say that. Whoops. Because that's what the hypocrites did. This is what these religious elites were doing. When they'd fast, they'd be like, look how holy I am. I'm so tired. I haven't eaten in like 10 days. Really, it's been, you know, however long. And, and he's saying, don't do that. No one else needs to know that you're fasting because the reason you're fasting is to show your honor and glory to God. When you do this, it's not so that others see you know, how holy you are. It's so that God knows your heart, that you are sacrificing because you believe in God's goodness and you know that through that fasting period, you are depriving yourself so that you can appreciate more the blessings of God. There's so many reasons why we fast, but the one reason we don't fast is so that others know that we're fasting. Don't be like those hypocrites who do it in that way. You know, whenever I was... Um, reading through this text and preparing for this sermon. The, the reason why I was so drawn to this passage as we're in our second week of our stewardship series about the difference that we make, it wasn't just that it talks about like giving and what that means. It was really that it creates for us a picture of authentic worship to God. I think if, if, if you've heard me say anything as a preacher here, one of the things that I just pray we are is an authentic people. Um, I never want there to be like some invisible fourth wall that you don't know like what's going on on stage or there's this behind the scenes thing. And we just go to watch worship. When we come here, we're participating in worship together. Together, we sing our praises to God. Together, we pray. Together, we come to this table. Together, we receive the word. That this is not just a, all right, well, they put on worship for us and we go consume worship. That's not authentic because we are all called to be worshiping together, not to go watch worship. And so when somebody comes, a new person comes here, and if you're new here, I pray this is how you see us, and if not, then let me know, and we're gonna keep working on it, because I pray that when somebody comes here, they don't just be like, oh, this is the biggest church in Mobile, that's why I'm going here, or this is the coolest church in Mobile, they've got new t-shirts that Brianna made this morning, and they're, they're real neat, so I'm gonna keep going back there. I pray that they don't say, um, even they've got the, the biggest screen, so I'm gonna keep going back there. I pray that when somebody sees us, when somebody comes to Dauphin Way, they'd be like, these people love Jesus, and they love each other. Like they're coming here because they believe in what it means to be here. Not out of obligation, not out of social responsibility, not because somebody else made us, but because when you come here, you have this authentic expression of worship where together we meet with the divine in such a real, powerful, and tangible way. These things that Jesus is, is describing, he's basically saying, not, he's not saying not to do those things. He's not saying don't pray. He's not saying don't give. He's not saying don't fast. He's saying you should do those things. But do them in a way that matters to God. Do them authentically. Don't go to church just so that others around you can hear how pretty you sound. Don't go to church just because you, you want people to, to know that you are benevolent or that you're a Christian or, or that you want people to see how faithful you are and having perfect attendance at church. Don't go to church because for anybody else, for any other reason than to authentically worship God. And that is what I pray that we are as a community. Actually, that is what I know us to be and that is what I hope other people see about us. Because as I've been here now 15 months, you know, I mean, we're, we're moving, we're basically, we're in, a, we're in a long-term relationship now, everybody. We are, we are committed. And as we continue this journey together, I pray that we grow not only as friends, but that together we grow, grow closer to God, and that is evident to everybody who sees us. 
And the reason why we're able to do that, the thing I'm so thankful for is because this church believes in offering experiences like this, like what we're having right now. These are the things that form us. Being in worship together, it forms us to be this authentic people. It forms us to be this expression of love. So do our Bible studies. So do our small groups. So do our service opportunities. When you plug in here, when you come to worship, when you experience this authentic community, you can't help but want to be a part of more and be a part of more of what God is doing and see more of the good things that God is doing in and through this church. And the reason why we're able to do it is because of the generosity of us as a people. Often when we think about giving, when we think about I'm gonna give to the church, it's because we know it's gonna make a difference in other people's lives. We know that it's, the joy for Johnny is gonna happen, it's gonna make a difference for those who come here. We know that our mission trips, that, that people are gonna be serving in the community, people are gonna be going to Honduras, people are gonna be going and making a difference in people's lives. We know that Society of St. Stephen's is gonna help pay power bills as well as give food and help be in a relationship with people in need. Like We know these things are gonna happen and so sometimes we're encouraged to give because we know that good things are gonna happen for others. But you know what else happens when we give? God gives us a place to be formed. We have this church that gives us the opportunity to give thanks and praise together. It is because of all of our generosity that we get to do these things. And I thank God for that. I thank God that we were brought to a church, that Brianna were brought to a church that believes in that. That believes not only in generosity, but that believes in authenticity. That we're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to pretend to be anything we're not. That we say, we love what God is doing here. And we want to be a part of it. And through our giving, we get, to be, we get to do that as an act of worship. And then we get to experience that through our formation. Every week, I'm excited. I, I just can't believe that this is like my job. Because it's just so good. I mean, people say like work is supposed to be work. And sometimes I get tired, don't get me wrong. I mean, every now and then I'll get invited to to a party because somebody needs me to pray and that's why I get party. That's why pastors get party invitations is so that somebody can pray over the burgers. But rarely do I show up for something that Dothway is doing and be like, oh, it's just another thing or I gotta go to work because God is forming me through this church. As a child, my most formational place was my church. I spent all my time there as a kid and as a, as a youth, as a college student, I got to work in a church and be formed. Like, I don't understand formation outside of church. And so all I wanna do is help others experience that. And so I'm grateful to be a pastor who gets to be part of a church that also believes that, who also believes that formation is important, that worship is essential, that being plugged in to small groups, Bible studies, children's ministry, youth ministry, serving opportunities, that all these things are part of what it means to follow Jesus and that together we get to all do that in a very authentic and real way. And that, too, is the difference that we make, the difference that God is making in our own lives through our participation, through our being a part of this family, through our making disciples who make a difference. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this church and the way you're using it to form us and so many. We know that you are alive and at work in this place. We know that you are calling us to do great things and that you are doing great things in and through us. We also know that sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we fail to be an obedient church. We fail to do your will. We, too, are sinners in need of grace. 
And so we all pray that you forgive us of our sins, free us for joyful obedience to you, Christ, our Lord. Send the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.